Hi, welcome to the Motivations Podcast. This is Katie. I am your host for today. And in just a second, I'll introduce you to Michelle um, and share a really interesting conversation that we had. But just wanted to give you a heads up that the sound quality on this one um, is a little bit off. As Michelle explained to me before recording, she'd booked a study room in a library Um, without knowing that there would be an orchestra playing in the background. Um, But she brushed this off um, as just another sort of interesting part of her private and successful private practice. Um, You kind of never know what you're going to get when you're working in libraries and other public places. But I know that you will enjoy this chat. So just bear with us, especially at the beginning. It cuts out a little bit. Um, But here is Michelle. Um, welcome, Michelle. Thanks for coming. Hi, it's so awesome to be here. Yeah, I'm really excited for this one. Um, so I'm actually going So can you just give us a brief rundown of who you are and what you do? Sure. So I'm an occupational therapist living and working in Toronto. Um, and I also work in New York region, Aurora specifically. I work in mental health. I, um, like I said, I work in private practice and I've been doing this as my kind of full-time, scare quotes, hustle for the last few months since April of this year. And I work primarily with clients, actually work with a variety of clients um, with, did you want to hear more about kind of like my, like who I work with, my professional background, that kind of thing? Yeah, that would be great. Cool. So the clients that I work with are really varied. I do have a focus on working with people with eating disorders. I was involved and currently actually still am involved with a not-for-profit in York region called Riverwalk Wellness Centers that provides support for people with eating disorders and other mental health issues. So a lot of people end up seeking me out because that's my one of my areas of competency and I but I also see a lot of other uh, clients as well most of the clients that I end up seeing in um, other areas are end up being young professionals who are dealing with mental health challenges like anxiety depression um, mood disorders psychotic disorders who are working on getting their lives back in order after experiencing some sort of uh, challenge or difficulty or episode and a lot of them are working on things like getting back to work or exploring work or school uh, I do a lot of work with people in their relationships and um, I work with families and uh, couples as well wow that is um, a pretty big practice area yeah then, it's broad by the sounds of it yeah, yeah and- um, can I ask you some specific questions about your practice before yeah we of course yeah Um, so I know that when we say private practice, we can mean a whole host of things. We can mean working for ourselves, working for sort of a private company. Mm -hmm. Um, who, what does private practice look like for you? So for me, clients come from, yeah, for, for me, it's just me. Um, so I'm kind of a sole proprietor. I am lucky to continue to have the relationship that I do with, um, the not-for-profit that I used to work with in New York region. So I get a lot of referrals from them. Um, I also get uh, some referrals from, uh, I used to work at the Center for Addiction and Mental Health or um, Mm CAMH for a number of years. And I get some referrals from my 
uh, my colleagues there. Um, and a lot of people just kind of find me um, online. I have a posting on uh, Psychology Today. Uh, I also do some online advertising uh, through different platforms. So people find me in a, in a number of different ways. I'd say it's about kind of uh, a third referrals through past professional connections, mm -hmm. a third through my online postings, and a third through uh, word of mouth and referrals from um, clients that I've worked with before or uh, clients that tell their family doctors about me and the family doctors will refer to me. So yeah, it's about a pretty even third, third, third split. Okay, that's great. Um, can <laughs> you remind me and also tell our listeners what year it was that you graduated? What year? Oh, man. Uh, 2016. So pretty recently. Yeah, that is really recently to yeah. have built all of that. Mm -hmm. So congratulations, first of all. Oh, thanks. Um, but secondly, thanks. how did you find the confidence to go out and do this as a new grad? I, I guess I, I'm very lucky to have um, a lot of people in my life who, who have that entrepreneurial spirit. Mm -hmm. um, my partner is a freelance videographer who's doing really well for himself. Um, at my, I have another part-time job uh, at an NGO uh, that my cousin started, so she's very entrepreneurial. Um, and I, I have just a lot of friends and colleagues who, uh, who had already kind of taken that leap before. Mm -hmm. And in OT specifically, I have a, um, a, a student colleague of mine, uh, Monica Cordasco, who started um, a pediatric OT practice uh, called Kids Dream Big. And she started everything about, I want to say, six to nine months before I did. So okay. even though we're in very different sectors, pediatrics tends to have... Um, a bit more uh, funding that uh, that families and parents can access. Uh, she was kind of my canary in the coal mine, so to speak, <laughs> and, uh, sussing out uh, the difficulties. And we uh, we get together regularly to, to chat about the challenges and successes of our respective practices. So I'm very lucky to have a very kind of supportive uh, community, my friends and family. Mm -hmm. So um, I, I had a lot of people in my life who had who had done you know the quote unquote unthinkable and quit their nine to five to work on, um, work on some, uh, some personal projects and they're doing well. Mm -hmm. um, and also I, um, though I, I really, really did love um, my work at Age, and I still have a very soft spot in my heart for my, um, the program that I was a part of there, the Slate Center and my team there were absolutely wonderful. Um, there was something in me that, um, that needed a bit more, um, flexibility mm -hmm. in terms of being able to schedule my own schedule um, because as I said I have this other job that I that is um, kind of increasing in its, its, uh, its uh, role in my life um, but then also because um, there are some aspects of um, myself and uh, personally and professionally that I wanted to bring into my practice mm -hmm. that I felt that I could have a bit more freedom with if I, uh, if I was you know, my own boss. Okay. So I think that that leads really well into our next question, which is what motivates you? So you've spoken to a couple things, um, but is there anything else specifically that you can sort of pinpoint as your motivation to kind of keep you going in your daily practice? Yeah, there, um, there are a couple things that um, are really important to me and important to, my, important to my practice that I didn't necessarily feel like I could, um, fully 
explore um, working um, at an institution, mm-hmm. um, as, as great of an institution as it was and is. Um, so one of those things is that I, uh, I've made a conscious decision to um, to really uh, use my own uh, lived experience with mental health challenges in my practice. Mm-hmm. And I know that um, you know I'm, I feel like I'm on the on the phone to the OT college like every other month, um, <laughs> just to, trying to trying to work in my ref- reflective practice and my making sure that I'm I'm um, establishing and maintaining my boundaries, but. Mm-hmm. Um, before before I went to OT school, actually, the reason why I went to OT school in the first place is because I used to work um, as a peer support worker okay. at, uh, at the Center for Addiction Mental Health, and that's where I met the occupational therapist that I was working alongside um, and learned what OT was mm-hmm. uh, and what kind of made me fall in love with the profession. Uh, but it would be, it, I think it would be disingenuous for me to not um, bring that aspect of myself into my practice. Mm-hmm. Um, I have kind of, you know, I've developed some professional guidelines and policies around around how do I maintain that professional uh, distance and and uh, and boundary setting, while also um, if if the client thinks it would be helpful, sharing aspects of my personal uh, story as well from that uh, perspective of having lived through um, lived through quite a bit myself. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, so it's it, it's kind of a bit. I, I guess risky or even um, some people will probably shy away from, from that and, and with good reason. Um, but that was uh, an aspect of, uh, of that, that was really important uh, to me. Um, and I knew that I couldn't really do that unless I kind of did my own thing. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, they're also kind of um, another part of it is I, I really enjoy um, working uh, in the community um, and doing a lot of really active, especially like desensitization therapy okay. in the community. Um, so with my clients who have eating disorders, we will um, uh, make meals together or we will go out to eat together or go grocery shopping together or clothes shopping together mm-hmm. um, with my clients with anxiety or phobias or uh, PTSD that are working on overcoming those things well and go to, you know, for example, crowded, crowded spaces and spend, you know, an hour or more there together working on the, the desensitization for that. And that was um, that uh, just because of the time constraints and the caseload and everything um, uh, that I was dealing with before, I didn't have as much freedom to do that kind of work that I find is really, really important. And actually one of the things that sets occupational therapy apart from other healthcare professionals, uh, professions, especially in mental health, mm-hmm. um, to have that activity focus and, and understand the bidirectional relationship between activity and mental health and, and actually bringing the learning from the clinic out into the world and out into real life situations. Um, you know, again, from the peer perspective, like that always, always was what worked best for me when, um, when I was going through that part of my life. And, uh, and, you know, it's, it's something that really attracts people, I think, to the work that I do and, and people really seek out. Um, they, they seek out the work that I do specifically. Because of that. Absolutely. I can see that as you were describing your practice. Mm-hmm. I was thinking this is how you get your referrals because you are doing something mm-hmm. that's valuable for others and that you found valuable yourself. And I think there's so much to say for that. Um, yeah. And I think that the word and, you used and, to, the, sorry, go ahead. Oh, I, I was just going to say that, um, 
you know, I, I took a couple of marketing courses and uh, like how to, how to start your business courses uh, before I, I launched out doing this on my own. And everyone, for all the differences in the approaches that they had, the, the philosophy was, you know, find something that is somewhat niche, find mm-hmm. something that very few, if, if, if anybody, um, very few people, if anybody uh, are doing and uh, and for me, I think that that involves kind of like that incorporating that lived experience, and then also doing the the community work that really um, attracts people. I think. Yes, I can absolutely see that. Thank you for sharing all of that. I think that gives us really good sort of insight into who you are, and also into your practice. And um, to me, that just sounds so OT and sounds like you just sort of live and breathe OT and you were even before you came back to school possibly mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. finding finding the occupational therapy profession was such a it was such a it was it was strange to me it was like it was like pieces sliding into into place because I um I you know I did uh I did one of my majors in undergrad I did in uh, philosophy and I've always been very interested in existential philosophy um, and this idea that uh, what you do and what you make of your life is the most important thing. And regardless of the barriers that you have, um, you have the responsibility to, to work on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, no matter what position you're in, and, and obviously people come from all sorts of positions and different barriers and, and different social positions, but there's always something that, that can be done to optimize your, what you're doing with your life. And I, I, I was always very attracted to that idea. And then I, I came across occupational therapy and I just saw it as the practical application of that philosophy. And Absolutely. I was, I was amazed that it was a profession and it's, it's very cool to, um, to be able to, to try to actualize that work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you had to write a tagline for your practice, what would it be? Uh, well, I had a tagline. <laughs> um, my, business, my, my business is called Prevailing Minds. Um, and our tagline is where professional skill meets lived experience. Oh, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> it sums up what you do. It sounds like absolutely yeah. perfectly. Um, if you could, and I've said this on other episodes before, I think that you've already done this. I'm pretty sure you've already inspired our audience, but if you could send one inspiring message to the OT class of 2020, what would it be? Um, for those of you who are interested in eventually doing something on your own, um, I think, I think in many ways, like, um, occupational therapy is a really, really good profession for that. There, there's a blessing and a curse to being an OT. Um, so you guys probably spent the first week of one of your classes working on your elevator pitch of explaining what OT is. <laughs> so that's the... the it's, it's, it's a bit of a, a challenge in the profession explaining what we do because what we do is so diverse. Um, and so we can work with so many populations and so many people with so many challenges and difficulties and use a number of different modalities. And, and um, it's, it's just so diverse. And that diversity lends challenge in that it's really difficult to explain what we do succinctly. Mm-hmm. But it also is a great blessing because you can really bring your passion and your the, the population that you're interested in working with, the, the issues that you would like to help your clients overcome. 
um, the settings that you would like to work in. You have absolute freedom when it comes to that. Anytime there's anybody who's having a challenge and engaging in activities that are important to them, there's a role for occupational therapy. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's, that's amazing. So if you really want to work in something that where you can wake up every morning and you're like, I can't believe that this is my job and I get to do this. Like I have, you know, there are challenging days, obviously, but most days these days I wake up and I'm like, I can't believe that I get to do this. It's such a, it's such a amazing dream. Um, you can actualize that. Um, so that's one of the, the positive. So, and then I guess that. Other than that, like, so just feel inspired to do what you really want to do because you can't in this profession. That's, that's such a, a blessing. Um, that's not to say that there obviously won't be challenges. Um, you really have to advocate for the role. Um, a lot of people still don't know what occupational therapy is, but as long as you can uh, articulate why your approach is beneficial in the uh, context that you're in, then then you'll be able to to basically sell what you what you're doing mm-hmm. um my other I guess like piece of advice would be um talk to as many people as you can about what you want to do um you know I was able to meet with Andrea for lunch and she really helped me out with stuff I talked to everyone I knew who was doing something remotely similar sorry um, Michelle you cut out a couple for a marketing can sure. you just um just where you restarted when you moved okay um can you hear me now can you hear me? Hello? Hello? I don't know if you can hear me or not, so I can't hear you. I know. I'm so sorry. I lost you again. Okay, but now we're fine. So, Okay. Yeah. Can you hear me now? Okay. So um, my other piece of advice would be to, uh, if you're thinking about kind of venturing out into private practice, just Make as many coffee dates or lunch dates with uh, as many people as you can who are doing something similar. Um, you know, I, I bugged Andrea and she was able to meet with me for lunch. Um, and obviously she's a powerhouse <laughs> and always so encouraging and has such amazing advice. So um, actually, Andrea, if you're listening, you're one of the reasons why I am here. Um, your class, uh, I think it was OTT3 when we were taking it um, mm-hmm. at the time, uh, like yeah, everything from like how to write a project proposal to how you how to uh, articulate your value in the profession. Uh, that was also helpful. Um, but yeah, talk to as many people as you can. Find mentors and uh, take take classes. And uh, I, I took a couple of online courses in in marketing and uh, and things like that. And um, if you're ever not sure about something, you can always call the college. And uh, you know, their answer will probably be something like, "Well, what do you think you should do in this situation?" <laughs> Um, which, you know, I joke about, but it's very helpful in, in, in terms of helping you suss out your thought process and just getting kind of like that reassurance that you need that what you're doing uh, is okay. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much. I think that you've given a lot of inspiration, but you've also given a lot of practical tips, um, which I think will serve the class well. And we are doing this for OTP3. So a lot of the content that you would have received that sort of set you on your path is going to be content that this class is or has already received so um and i'm sure that andrea will absolutely love that shout out and probably means a lot to her so thank you so much for your time um my pleasure thank you for the opportunity it's uh it's cool that this is a part of the curriculum now mm -hmm. um i'd uh, be interested to hear from are you going to be interviewing other 
folks who are kind of doing their own thing yes, or have so you can find us well you know where motivations podcast is but all the um, previous episodes should be up there um, shortly so you can check all of them cool. out yeah awesome thank you so much and can i is it cool if i if i just leave my url just in case because yes. i gotta gotta tell people about yes. it yeah <laughs> if you're interested in yeah <laughs> um I can't, you know, not follow my own advice. So um, if you're interested in checking out my webpage and what it looks like um, or reaching out to me, if you have any questions, any of the students who are listening about private practice stuff or if you'd like to connect um, just professionally or meet with me, you know, have talk with me about my practice or how I did this, take me up for a coffee. <laughs> I won't make you buy me a coffee, don't worry. Um, I know your students. Um, but yeah, you can reach out to me. My website is www.prevailingminds.ca. So just Google Prevailing Minds Mental Health, it'll come up. Um, and my email is michelle at prevailingminds.ca. Thank you so much. You're the only one who's done that. My pleasure. I think it's key. <laughs> so thank you. Yeah, it certainly is. Okay, enjoy the rest of your day and your busy practice. Thank you. Take care. Happy holidays. Bye. Bye.